Okay, so I titled this message Declaration of uh, Dependence, and uh, that's, not a, that's not a misprint. You know, we'll be talking about the Declaration of Independence, which I think was a really good thing. I've really appreciated growing up in a free country. And, um, but we're going to talk today about Declaration of Dependence. Declaration of Dependence upon God. Now look at Romans 13, verses uh, 1 to 7. And Romans 13 says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Uh, for he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, God's servant, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Uh, for because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So we want to be good citizens. We want to submit to the governing authorities. We pay our taxes, okay? We obey the, the, the laws. As long as they're good laws, we obey, obey them. Now you look there at um, verse 4 where it says that the government is, is God's minister to us for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. Uh, that's the scary part of today, is we now have a government that's starting to do the exact opposite of what it's supposed to do. Founding fathers were in that situation uh, several hundred years ago, where all of a sudden, if you do good, you get in trouble. You call certain practices a sin, all of a sudden you could lose your job. You can get canceled on social media, okay? And um, so you have to understand, God instituted human government to serve man and protect his God-given rights. God did not institute human government to enslave man. Satan will take everything, every good thing that God does and try to pervert it and twist it. And with government, uh, it becomes a power play for many individuals. But we want to be good citizens. Now keep in mind... Look, look, look at Psalm 118. Keep in mind, the Bible says uh, that we are to submit to the governing authorities. Okay? And uh, I once heard the Bible answer man, not the original Bible answer man, Walter Martin, the latest one, Hank Anagraf. I once heard him e equating on television submitting to the governing authorities with what sounded pretty much like trusting the government authorities. Those are two different things. Those are two different things. Okay? And uh, so look at Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9. It is better to trust in the Lord. It's better to trust in Yahweh than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence 
in, in princes. Okay? And this is mentioned throughout Psalms and Proverbs. Look at Psalms 146 and verse 3. Psalm 146, verse 3. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. So yes, we are called to submit to the governing authorities, but that doesn't mean you blindly trust them. I mean, big government is the number one serial murderer in the history of mankind. Dr. R.J. Rummel of the University of Hawaii his research showed that between 1917 and 1991, big governments killed somewhere between 170 million and 320 million of their own people during either during peacetime or sometimes it was while war was going on, but it had nothing to do with the war. It was just the government, you know, putting people in ovens, killing people. Um, you know, we come into the 21st century with a wealth of evidence that the number one risk to our physical well-being on planet Earth is not terrorism, is not war, it's not crime, it's government. And so the Founding Fathers realized that uh, governmental power should not be abused, it should be limited, because sinful humans are the guys that lead human government. They're fallen too. And, um, and so this is a, a, a scary time. It's an exciting time. But it's a scary time. Now, what I am going to say today, I am not going to say that things are going to get really abnormal in America. Okay, and that's not what I've been saying since the 1980s. Okay, I am saying that things in America for Christians will, unless God turns back the tide, you know, he's God, he can do what he wants in this situation, but unless there's re widespread repentance and revival and God decides to spare us, even though we don't deserve it, uh, Christianity will enter into a stage of normalcy in America. In other words, for the past 2,000 years, the normal state of Christianity is like, is like Red China or India or Muslim regimes where you have to worship God in secret, and if you get caught, they throw you in prison, and they torture you, and then eventually they could kill you. Okay? As your pastor, I'm supposed to proclaim the truth. I'm supposed to tell you what God's word says you need to hear. I'm not supposed to tell you what you want to hear. A lot of churches, a lot of, there's a lot of big churches. There's some big churches, by the way, that preach the meat of God's word. Praise God for that. But there's a lot of big churches that got to be big churches by telling people what they want to hear. Okay? If you want to go to a church where they're going to tell you what you want to hear, you're at the wrong place. Okay, and, uh, and you know, it's, re it's really, really sad because uh, I bet there's, pro there's probably in fact, there's people that have talked to me and talked to other pastors who are preaching God's word, and they act like, wow, that's really courageous to say that. And, and all I'm saying is, I'm doing my job. I'm preaching the word of God. Isn't that something? 
In the American church, if a pastor says, I'm just going to preach the Word of God, everybody's like, wow. Boy, that's really great. Why? Because so many pastors in the American church, they're not really preaching the Word of God anymore. What you do, you do self-help. Tell people what they want to hear. You can always pull a few verses out of context. Make people feel good. Maybe they'll come back. Okay? Um, but whatever the case, and I, I'm telling you, you know, people say, oh, what a pessimistic guy. I'm the most optimistic guy on the planet Earth. Because I know him. And I know his salvation. And I know he's coming back. Amen. Okay? And uh, so I, I view myself as very optimistic. But as an optimistic pastor, I also got to tell you the truth. I don't want you sitting in a prison cell someday saying, why didn't Pastor Phil ever warn, warn me about this? By the way, a lot of, a lot of pastors are going to be sitting next to people in prison cells someday. And when people ask them, why didn't you warn us? I don't know what they're going to say. Um, but uh, so we celebrate Independence Day. This is what the Founding Father said in the Declaration of Independence, just the first paragraph and a half. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. In other words, they were going through basically every legal means possible to let the world know, look, there's a reason why we're going to kick Great Britain out of America. Okay, and we just want to let you know we don't have an agenda where we want to take over the world. We just want to be left alone. So we want you to respect us. We respect you and your authority. This is none of your business. We're going to whoop Great Britain, send them home, and uh, we just want to let you know. And they say, look, we're, you know, th this is built on um, the God's laws written in the hearts of man, the laws of nature. And God's laws written, his moral laws written in his word. And, uh, and then they said this, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, rights that cannot be taken away from human beings, that among these are life, liberty, which is freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, now they're quoting from John Locke. John Locke said, life, liberty, and property, that we have the right to that. But the founding fathers, Tommy Jefferson and the founding fathers thought, people might think if we put in property that the government owes them property. So we'll just call it the pursuit of happiness, which basically means uh, you're free to be all that God called you to be. Okay, just because you're strong enough to be a wrestler doesn't mean you have to be a wrestler if you don't want to be a wrestler. But that's not the way the old Soviet Union thought. Old Soviet Union, they didn't care about the pursuit of happiness. So you had to be whatever the government told you you were going to be. And that's why you get Soviet wrestlers and Soviet athletes during the Olympics would defect. Why? They were pursuing happiness 
If they were believers, they were just trying to be all that, that God called them uh, to be. Uh, but as human beings, we have these unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, that sounds like a contradiction because of slavery. Well, it is. And Thomas Jefferson knew it was a contradiction. So he had a paragraph at least abolishing the slave trade in an earlier draft of the Declaration of Independence. The southern states wouldn't agree to it, and so they removed that. And if, if we didn't unite with the southern states, Great, Bill, Great Britain would build bases there. We wouldn't stand a chance of getting our independence. So the founding fathers knew that was a battle that had to be, fighting, to be fought later. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, yes, he owned slaves, but I don't know anybody here who's as smart as Thomas Jefferson. He couldn't figure out how to get how to free his slaves. He just could not figure it out. He said he, it's like coming into life holding a wolf by the cheeks. You you wanna uh, you wanna let go, but you can't. You let go of that wolf. You know, just it's just a problem that he couldn't figure out how to get out of. Virginia law: if you're in debt. The only way you could free your slaves, you have to give them to the people you owe money to. Thomas Jefferson was in debt his whole life. The founding fathers, all the debt that they got that added to any debt they might have had before, all the debt from the Revolutionary War, they never once said, okay, now the, United, the people of the United States have to pay us back. They would just say, it was like, no, it's, we, it was our money. We did with it what we thought we needed to do. And... Um, and so, uh, but basically there was no way with Virginia law um, that Thomas Jefferson could, could set his slaves free. The best he could do was to treat them as humanely as possible. I'm not saying he was perfect. I'm just saying all the people that are judging him, let's see what you would do if you were in his shoes. Okay? Um, uh, but whatever the case, they understood. Uh, Frederick Douglass, a former slave, he understood that the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, based on those principles, we can ju just follow the logical progression of thought and we can abolish slavery. And that's exactly what happened. Okay? And, um, um, and so we have these unalienable rights, these God-given rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights... Declaration of Independence reads that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. In other words, you can't force their rule on the people. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government. Now, I'm not calling for revolution, okay? just want to make sure I go come out and say that. Uh, I'm not calling for uh, revolution, but if you read the reasons why the Founding Fathers revolted later on in the Declaration of Independence, you see that um, there's some ways we got it worse today than they had. Okay? But the thing they had that we don't have, they had a chance of winning. So all I would say is have a politics of self-defense. Just try to defend yourself and your family and trust God and that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be talking about a declaration of dependence on God. Because guess what? You can't trust, you can't depend on the government to take care of you uh, anymore. So, um, so declaring one's independence from God is idolatry, but that is not what the founding fathers did. 
The founding fathers turned to God. They didn't turn their backs on God. They understood that human government was instituted by God. This is Genesis 9-6. Genesis 9-6, right after uh, the flood, the global flood. Because remember, before the flood, uh, Cain was a murderer, and he never got judged by any human court. Uh, uh, Lamech, in his line, in his family line, killed one, maybe two people, depending how you interpret the passage. And uh, uh, he never went to prison. So I, I actually don't think there was any human government before the flood. And mankind became so wicked, you throw the Nephilim into the mix, uh, mankind's going to wipe himself off the face of the earth. And so God intervened and saved eight people, Noah and his family. But after the flood, God says, oh, and then God tells uh, Noah and his family, you can start eating meat now. You can start eating animals, okay? So Genesis 9, 6, so he says you can eat animals. However, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. And so that's where God instituted human government, where God said, only I have the authority to bring judgment down on human beings. Okay? Only I uh, have the authority to bring vengeance down on mankind. But I'm going to delegate some of that vengeance to human government. Now, human government started out as families. Who was the head of the first government? It would have been Noah. And then when his sons started having kids and, then, and grandkids, then they became heads. So, so it goes from, human government goes from families to then tribes, tribal government. And eventually when the tribes get bigger, then you have national government, okay? Different nations and all. By the way, the founding fathers treated the different colonies almost as if they were different nations uh, with the exception of a few, uh, a, uh, a little bit of sovereignty that they delegated to the federal government in the United States Constitution, which is not a very big document. Today, if you looked at all federal law, you could fill this room with volumes. Uh, I think Dinesh D'Souza says the average American uh, breaks three to four federal laws each day. Um, you, we just don't know it, but there's just so many of them. And, um, uh, and they're arbitrary rules. And, uh, but the good thing is, even the law enforcement doesn't, can't keep up with all these, so they don't even know what's going on. And, um, but babe, what Dinesh D'Souza is saying, though, let's say they don't like you. Let's say your name's Donald Trump. They don't like you. They just start collecting all kinds of data on you. Okay. By the way, data is being collected by the NSA right now on all of us. It's being collected. I don't think anybody's looking at it. But they can look at it if you tick somebody in a position of power off. Uh, apparently Tucker Carlson's ticked off somebody. Now they're looking into his data. So um, uh, reading his emails and everything, a whistleblower let him know that. And so... Uh, God instituted human government to protect man, not to enslave him. Okay? See, look, look back at Genesis 127. 
Genesis one twenty seven. And that reads, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So male and female, we were created in God's image. Even though we're falling, we still retain enough of the image of God to where human life is sacred. And that's why God says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. That's why God instituted human government to protect human life, because human life is sacred. Even in the womb, human life is sacred. You think America doesn't have judgment coming? Killed over 60 million babies before they saw the light of day. And, um, and now we got laws in many of our states, several of our states at least, where if a baby survives an abortion, you can give it comfort care. Basically, you can basically just help it die. And um, um, this, is not, this is not your grandparents' America um, anymore. So human life is worth protecting, Genesis 1.27. Uh, Genesis 3.1-7, we don't have time to, to read that, but I just want to know, well, let, let, let's just read it real quick. Genesis 3.1-7. Now the serpent, you know, God told Adam and Eve, you can eat from any tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? And uh, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of, the, of every tree of the garden? Uh, by the way, when you look at Revelation 12.9, it's Satan who's speaking through the serpent. Okay? Revelation 12.9 tells us that. So Satan's lying. He says, you should not eat from every tree of the garden. No, he said, there's only one tree you can't eat from. You know, he's, he's acting like, oh, God's a cosmic uh, killjoy there. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, the Bible doesn't say that God said, don't touch it. Although I think that's probably a pretty good idea. If you're forbidden something, don't be looking at it, don't go near it, don't touch it, and then the, the temptations will be stronger, but she seems to be adding to God's word. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. That's just a straight-out denial of God's word. We live in a culture that it's, gonna, it's going to be very difficult to even hold down a job unless you're willing to publicly deny God's word and issues of morality and things of that sort, okay? Um, Satan says this, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasing to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So I guess he was just hanging out there, not exercising the headship that he had. And um, his choice, he, he could already see from Eve that things got bad when she ate of the fruit. So Eve was deceived by the serpent. Adam, just he had to just choose between his woman and his God. And he chose his woman. Uh, verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. 
and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And we know the, the rest of the story there. You know, they, first they were naked and not ashamed. They were not ashamed of who they were in the eyes of God because they were exactly what God created them to be. Once they sinned, then they were ashamed of themselves and covered themselves. By the way, evolutionists have never explained why human beings cover their, their private parts. You can go to the hottest places on the planet Earth and uh, tribal people still cover their private parts. So we're not, we're not, we don't just wear clothes because it's cold outside, you know, to keep us warm. Evolutionists haven't really explained that. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things they haven't explained. Well, the origin of language, uh, the different languages, whatever the case. Um, um, but here, mankind fell into sin. We learn from Romans 5.12. In fact, let's turn there. Romans 5.12. Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin. And so we basically inherited from Adam a sin nature. All of a sudden, we were corrupted human nature. It was no longer perfect human nature. It was imperfect, corrupted perverted, twisted, sinful human nature. Nature, We inherited that, and because of that, uh, we sin. Now, let me say this. This is why God instituted human government. There's really only two reasons to have human government. Okay? Number one, human life has to be worth protecting. If human life is not worth protecting, you don't need government. Just let the rotten people beat up the mellow people, okay? So human life is worth protecting. How do we know that? Because the Bible says we were created in God's image. But guess what? If human life is worth protecting and nobody's bad, then we don't need protecting. We're just a bunch of people who have sacred human lives and nobody's messing with anybody else. Okay? But it turns out human life needs protecting because we're all fallen and sinful. Okay? Um, so anytime there's a politician out there, maybe they're being real inconsistent, I don't know, but I, I, get, I tremble when I find out that politicians don't believe in the biblical doctrines of creation and the fall. Okay? Because if they believe in the doctrines of the creation and the fall, they understand, okay, human life is worth protecting, it needs protecting, and I am a servant of the public. You take away the biblical doctrines of creation and the fall, the only reason why you should run for office is because you want power. And that's where we're at in America today. we got more politicians, more powerful people who want power than want to serve human beings. You say, oh, no, that's a bunch of baloney. Oh, yeah? Why isn't there a wall? Why don't they build that wall on a border to protect us? Apparently, we don't need protecting. But look at the fences they built around Washington, D.C., they're all for protecting themselves. 
supposed to be protecting us. I mean, you just look at what's going on in this. No border wall to protect us, only fences to protect our Washington, D.C. leaders. I guess they're more important to us. They attack the citizens' right to bear arms. You know, I don't talk about the right to bear arms a whole lot, but the fact of the matter is the last roadblock to global government is an armed American middle class. Once the American middle class gets disarmed, it's, this world is toast. It's Revelation 13 time there. The Antichrist and global government. But they attack the citizens' right to bear arms all at the, and at the same time they say that, uh, that uh, they need to be protected by armed guards. Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York, was being interviewed and, uh, and he was talking about uh, taking away people's all arms, all firearms from people. And the journalist who was interviewing him said, so then you want your bodyguards to be disarmed too? And he said, no, no, no. And, and then the journalist said, okay, now I understand what you're saying. You and your family are important enough to be protected, just not me and my family. Okay? See, they, our political leaders are either there to serve or they're there to enslave. There's no middle ground. Okay? And... Um, our Secret Service spies on pro-American politicians, pro-American journalists, and pro-American Americans. It, 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 I don't know where I don't even think they have the time anymore to spy on um, uh, on America's enemies anymore. You know, when uh, the, when Donald Trump was president, they spent so much time spying on him. I don't think they could really keep an eye on China and Russia and Iran and North Korea. Um, our government with big tech attacks our First Amendment rights, our freedom of religion, freedom of speech, right to assemble. You know, you, you shut down the churches. Well, it's for health reasons. But Walmart's open, the casinos are open. Uh, our government releases violent criminals and then turns around and arrests patriots. Okay, um, you know, um, it depends which side of the aisle you're on in this country. Um, our government wants us out of our cars eventually to lower our carbon footprint, yet our leaders who fight for this, like John Kerry and Al Gore, fly around in private jets. You tell me if they're serving us. Okay. By the way, 1 Timothy 2, 1-7, we're supposed to pray for our leaders. Pray that they find Christ. Pray that they lead us in a, a righteous manner. I saw a post from a Christian just yesterday, I think. Bad-mouthing people, bad-mouthing political leaders. Well, yeah, there's a, you know, name-calling can get ugly and stuff. And uh, at the same time, just keep in mind, that Jesus called the Jewish religious leaders of his day whitewashed tombs. Children of the devil. Okay? Um, who was it? John the Baptist uh, called Herod, uh, he called, Jesus called them a brood of vipers. Uh, Herod was called a serpent, I believe. Um, so, I mean, so it's like, look, we submit to the governing authorities, we pay our taxes, okay? 
But let me tell you, if Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin came to power in America, you think I'm going to talk nicey-nicey about them from this pulpit? If I do, I'm a coward. Okay? And right now we got political leaders whose political views are very close to that of the Nazis and the old Soviet Union. Godless belief systems. You just follow the logical progression of the thought. We've got a young lady who escaped um, from, uh, 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 from North Korea and uh, she goes to Columbia University and with all the garbage she's being taught with critical race theory, she says, you know, actually right now we had more freedom of speech in North Korea than we have here in America today. And um, we got to recognize tyranny before the heads start rolling so we can at least sound the alarm. If the church can't sound the alarm, we're going to do uh, wait for the atheist. Maybe the atheists will sound the alarm. Um, and so, um, so if God, if human life is worth protecting and needs protecting, then you have a problem because all government leaders are fallen, sinful humans. You know, Romans 3.10. Uh, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So nobody's righteous, not even our political leaders. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? So if humans lead human government and all humans are fallen and sinful, that means all government leaders are fallen, sinful humans. Okay? That's why the Founding Fathers set up three branches of the federal government. So the three branches, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial, would fight each other. They would limit each other. So they had three branches of federal government with a separation of powers, checks and balances to limit each other. It just makes it tougher. If you just got one guy or one committee that rules, we're at their mercy. Okay? At the mercy of of fallen, sinful humans. That's why the Founding Fathers gave the states so much sovereignty, so little in the Constitution, so little power was delegated to the federal government, okay, in the Constitution. So you had states being able to, uh, to check uh, a government gone bad. That's why states like Florida and Texas, they're using nullification. They're, they're telling the federal government, you come up with an unconstitutional law, we're going to tell our, our officers not to, not to uh, enforce it, okay? Um, uh, then the founding father said, what better way to check the public than the consent of the government, govern, recognizing their inalienable rights? In fact, the right to bear arms is the final check in a system of checks and balances. The founding fathers didn't want it to come to that, but that's what it came to for them, okay? Um, and so, uh, uh, but that means if you're going to limit human government, you've got to have independence from global-minded governments. God does not want government to get so big that you end up with a global government. That's what's going to happen in the end times. Just read Revelation 13 and the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, the 666. You can't buy or sell without the mark. Um, 
you know, George Washington referred to human government as a necessary evil, a lesser evil. It's evil for human leaders to force other humans to comply, but that's better than just total anarchy where everybody's killing everybody off. Well, we got most, most government officials do not consider human government a necessary evil or a lesser evil. They see it as a positive good. And you start heading in the direction of what I call deification of the state, where all of a sudden you don't just submit to the governing authorities. Now all of a sudden you're trusting in them. And trusting in them to the degree that we used to trust in God. You know, things went bad. You went to God. You went to your family and you took individual responsibility. Now things go bad. You go right to the government, big government. Your neighbor disagrees with you. Let's see if we can get his views outlawed and crush his freedom of speech. When you have freedom of speech for only one side in all the major debates, then you're living in a country that no longer has freedom of speech. And I tell my students... Politically speaking, the only thing worse than being a slave and knowing you're a slave is being a slave and thinking you're still free. Okay? And I could come up. I just jotted it down. I don't have the list here. But ten reasons why I could argue America's not free anymore. Now, there's still some fights going on politically. And who knows? Maybe we'll get some of those rights back. But just because... Just because one guy in red China might find a little space of freedom doesn't mean he lives in a free society. Even Hitler and Stalin couldn't kill every innocent person, though they probably, probably would have liked to. Um, uh, but the pieces are in place for tyranny. Now, the Founding Fathers, by declaring their independence from Great Britain, who was very imperialistic at the time, they had colonies all over the world, okay? And uh, the American colonists said, not here anymore. We want to rule ourselves. You violated this contract you've had with us. And so the Founding Fathers were, in their own way, declaring independence from any, any entity that wanted a globalist, tyrannical power. We see that a global, tyrannical power um, is not biblical. So declaring independence from globalist, tyrannical power is biblical. At the Tower of Babel, we don't have time to look at it, but Genesis 11, 1 through 9, uh, all mankind spoke one language, and they were united, and they were building a tower and making a name for themselves, you know what that is? That's, that's deification of the state. Forget about the name of God. We want mankind to be worshipped. And we're going to come together and be united. God is opposed to any unity outside of Christ. God is opposed to any unity outside of that which is true and that which is good. So the United Nations, what, 80% of the time? When the, old, when the United Nations disagreed with the, when the, the old Soviet Union disagreed with America, 80% of the time the United Nations sided with the old Soviet Union. Okay? Well, 
2010, the Rockefeller Foundation, they did a study that if there was a global pandemic, the results of their study <clears throat> was that the Chinese Communist government would do a better job handling a pandemic than the United States government. Okay? What's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this picture? And um, so whatever the case, <clears throat> we should not be pro-global government. God divided their languages and separated mankind into different uh, nations because of it. That, that God is not uh, a racist. In fact, there's only one human race. A lot of variety within that human race. A lot of beautiful variety. But God did not want all of mankind united in lies, in falsehood, in evil. God only, God, God's not pro-UN. God the Father is pro-King Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Not the United Nations. You know, they could quote out of context a verse above the door and in New York City, saying that, you know, all nations are going to take their implements, their instruments of war, and, um, and transform them into farming gear. Yeah, that's when Jesus comes back. That's not the United Nations. Um, and uh, now there was, we have the Declaration of Independence, which I think was biblical. Um, Government, God instituted government to protect our God-given rights. But there was also the Declaration of Interdependency 200 years later. It was written and signed in 1975 by 124 members of the United States Congress. I think if, you, if they took a look at this document again today, you'd probably have uh, more than half of Congress signing that. The Declaration of Interdependency. Um, you know, it's like our government has now declared its independence from God. That's sinful. Uh, but our government has now declared its dependence on international order, on global order. Okay? Our government's declared war on the church. You know, we're going to shut down uh, all non-essential businesses, and they include the church, and Walmart's part of the, and casinos part of the essential businesses, I guess. Uh, our government's now declared war on the church, uh, freedom, the Bill of Rights. It's declared war on us. Um, I don't even think there's a right to protect yourself anymore unless you're one of the elite rulers. So don't, I, I, I really encourage you, unless you've got to go for a doctor's appointment or some important meeting, stay away from the cities. You don't want to take a wrong turn and drive right into a, a riot. Because if the only way to save your life is to, is to drive through people who are attacking your vehicle, I think you're probably going to prison right now. Um, so it, it's, it's a crazy world we live in. Um, I'm just going to read through. I, I wrote a, a paper. It's going to be published in a book. I don't know when it's coming out. Maybe I'll try to make a copy of the paper for everybody. But I just want to read some sections in it just to see why... So many of our political leaders on the left and the right did not like Donald Trump. He, you know, uh, believe me, Donald Trump has issues. They did not hate Donald Trump because he was a jerk. 
I mean, that's almost, there's very few politicians who aren't jerks, okay? Um, I can think of a few. They'll never become president. Um, so, uh, I mean, if they're so offended by name-calling, look at the name-calling they do, the other side does. But let me just read to you. Trump, in his July 2016 Republican Convention acceptance speech, vowed to, and I quote, make America great again. He promised to dismantle treaties like NAFTA, the North American Free Trade uh, Agreement, that weakened the United States' sovereignty. He stated, Americanism, not globalism, will be our credo. He pledged to put America first. Trump proclaimed that we will show the whole world America is back, bigger and stronger than ever before. The political establishment of both parties could not tolerate uh, a nationalist president. There's a difference between a white nationalist who's a racist and just a nationalist, somebody who just wants America to maintain sovereignty. We usually call that a patriot, okay? And, um, but they couldn't handle uh, uh, a patriot, a president who wanted to protect United States sovereignty, a president who had no desire for building international government and dismantling United States sovereignty. Hence, the media and the United States political elite turned on President Trump. They raised false accusations of Russian collusion and moved swiftly toward impeachment. In short, Donald Trump is hated by the political and media elite because he is pro-American and anti-New World Order. Can you imagine in America, you say America first, that makes you a racist? Um, former president, here's a Republican, George H.W. Bush often referred to the New World Order in his speeches during the Persian Gulf War. Bush made it clear that the UN would head the New World Order and that international law uh, would and should be enforced by the UN. He stated, out of these troubled times, our fifth objective, a New World Order, can emerge. We are now in sight of a United Nations that performs as envisioned by its founders. That was his television address, September 11th, 1990, exactly 11 years before 9-11 to the day there. Uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski uh, was the national security advisor for President Carter. He stated in 1995, we cannot leap into world government in one quick step. The precondition, the precondition for eventual globalization, genuine globalization, is progressive regionalization. That's why you need the European Union and you have these other unions. The Bible says in the last days there's going to be ten regions with ten leaders around the world and they're going to give their power to the Antichrist. Strobe Talbot, he was Bill Clinton's former Oxford roommate and became Bill Clinton's Deputy Secretary of State. On July 20th in 1992, he said... Within the next hundred years, nationhood as we know it will be obsolete. All states will recognize a single global authority. Uh, when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, she wrote a book review of Henry Kissinger's book titled World Order. She wrote, I was proud to help the president, President Obama, begin reimagining and reinforcing... <clears throat> the global order 
to meet the demands of an increasingly interdependent age. <clears throat> the vice president at that time, Joe Biden, is now the president, but as vice president, he said, <clears throat> the affirmative task before us is to create a new world order. Um, Henry uh, Kissinger in 1991 said, today America would be outraged if UN troops entered Los Angeles to restore order. Tomorrow they will be grateful. This is especially true if they were told that they were an outside threat from beyond, whether real or promulgated, it doesn't even have to be a real threat, that threatened our very existence. You know, something like a pandemic, something like terrorism, uh, something like uh, alien invaders from outer space. Uh, it is then that all peoples of the world will plead <clears throat> to deliver them from evil. The one thing every man fears is the unknown. When presented with this scenario, individual rights will be willingly relinquished for the guarantee of their well-being granted to them by the world government. That was Henry Kissinger, 1991. <clears throat> President Obama himself uh, made some pro-New World Order speeches before the United Nations. He stated, uh, And so I believe that at this moment we all face a choice. We can choose to press forward with a better model of cooperation and integration, or we can retreat into a world sharply divided and ultimately in conflict along age-old lines of nation and tribe and race and religion. Now, during an earlier speech to the UN, uh, President Obama related, in an era when our destiny is shared, power is no longer a zero-sum game. No one nation can or should try to dominate another nation. No world order that elevates one nation or group of people over another will succeed. No balance of power among nations will hold. The traditional divisions between nations of the South and the North make no sense in an interconnected world, nor do alignments of nations rooted in the cleavages of, long, of a long-gone Cold War. And so he was calling uh, for international order, global government. It was coming from the neoconservative Republican faction, kind of the never-Trumpers, if you will, and, um, and from the Democratic Party leadership. Now, President Trump, when he spoke before the United Nations, his, uh, the third speech of his presidency to the United Nations, he said, the free world must embrace its national foundations. It must not attempt to erase them or replace them. Uh, by the way, you could look at the, all the leaders are just like, okay, um, Addressing the leaders of many nations, he proclaimed, the future does not belong to the globalists. The future belongs to patriots. Okay? So you got to understand, is Donald Trump a jerk? Yeah, he's like that uncle that uh, you, you don't, you, 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 you bring a few friends over to your house and you find out your uncle, that uncle, that uncle is there. It's like, oh, no. Man, let's, let's, just, let's, let's go to Denny's. Let's get out of here. And, um, uh, but the fact of the matter is, his crime, the reason why he's hated by our political leaders, is because he was actually going to go to bat for me. And he's going to go to bat for you. And, um, and that's not good enough anymore. You say America first, make America great again? 
For all practical purposes, you are deemed a bigot. And you must be silenced. And we got to cancel you. Um, even an, an atheist, an agnostic, like Stefan Molyneux, has stated, and I quote, cancel culture, it's where you people are losing their jobs just for, for standing up for what is true and what is right. Cancel culture is a dress rehearsal uh, for genocide. Okay? Well, you read about the, the, the Nazis, how they treated the Jews. They didn't say on day one, let's put these people in ovens. No, let's stereotype them. Let's call them bad names. We've been called deplorables. Okay? We've been made fun of because we're supposed to have, a, I guess, a rifle in one arm and a Bible in the other arm or whatever. If these political leaders love us, why aren't they protecting us? And these are, Stop telling yourself that only in America we will never have dictators. That's something that happens everywhere else but here. Don't lie to yourself. I used to show my students the hiding place with Corey Ten Boom under the Nazis uh, who had taken over Holland and the concentration camps and all. And I, say, I asked them, can that happen here? And they would always say no. And I said, why not? And they say, because we have free elections. We elect our officials. Well, number one, I'm not too sure we have free elections anymore. Okay? But number two, Adolf Hitler was elected by the most educated people group on the planet Earth back then. No, we're too smart. We won't elect Adolf Hitler. Why, why, why not? You know, and people talk about socialism, the good word. Hitler was just a different kind of socialist. He was a national socialist um, who were butting heads with the international socialists, the communists, Karl Marx and company. Um, so, uh, but whatever the case, when, when the, if you're smart enough to win national elections and statewide elections, you're smart enough to know the consequences of your uh, programs, the programs that you implement. So the fact that MS-13 is filtering into this country, slavery is on the rise, human trafficking coming across the border, um, um, drug cartels are, are making millions and millions of dollars by transporting these people across our borders, that can't be good for America. Uh, spending money that, that our great-grandchildren will never even earn, getting us tr more trillions and trillions of dollars in debt, that can't be good. Now, if you're trying to break the back of the United States of America, so you turn us into a third world country, so then we'll join Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and the, uh, the Great Restart, the, the Great Reset, where they want to reset the whole global economy because of the pandemic. Uh, yeah, those are things you... Uh, defund the police. You know, people, people, people say they want to protect minorities. A lot more minorities have been, been murdered in our cities uh, since we started defunding the police. But you get the chaos. Uh, Candace Owens, she, she thinks, in fact, even uh, Dr. Ben Carson said the same thing, that they want the poli local police to fail so that we have to bring in national police force, make us a police state. Um, and so we must oppose the move towards a new world order, okay? 
whether it's led by Europe, United States, China, or any other nations, God's opposed to world government until King Jesus returns. Look at Philippians 3.20. You know, this, this message, some of you probably think, wow, this is, this is like a really radical message. Now, the message I'm trying to get across to you is not real radical. You know what the message I'm trying to get across to you is? Just depend on God. Just depend on God. So that shouldn't be radical. But when somebody says depend on God and it is radical inside a culture, you got a crazy culture. Look, look at how many people were mocked a few years ago for praying. There are all these people putting stuff out. Stop praying and for, for this or that, and blah, as, as if by praying, uh, you know, that by trusting in, in God, then we're not going to do the right thing. And uh, uh, but Philippians 3.20, Paul says this, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So remember that. You know, I'm proud to be American, but I'm infinitely more proud uh, to be a Christian and to be a citizen uh, of heaven. So when the government plays God, uh, we're going to have to remain true to Jesus. The apostle said in Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than men. Total dependence on the government is idolatry. When it comes to total dependence, we have no king but Jesus. Uh, we want revival, but you don't get revival unless you get repentance, and nobody wants repentance, not even the church in America. Okay? But even if we repent and get revival, America might still be lost. You know that, that passage, 2 Chronicles 7.14? That's a great passage to apply. I think we should all apply it, but we need to remind ourselves there's no promise given to America there. 2 Chronicles 7. And verse 14, this is after the building of the temple and it gets dedicated by King Solomon and then God says, uh, in fact, I'll start at verse 13, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command, or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, diseases among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will he hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, praise God for that. But let me tell you, that's a promise God made to Israel, not America. So we don't know if we're beyond the point of no return. If I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet on America. Okay? Uh, thank God I'm not a betting man. Uh, so I think we should humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face. I think we should turn from our wicked ways. Okay? And God will hear from heaven. But then he'll decide, and he'll forgive our sin as well. But then he'll decide whether he's going to heal our land. But he didn't promise. There's no verse in the Bible. I, I've searched for it. It says, Thus saith the Lord, America will be free and prosperous when the Lord Jesus returns. By the way, if you want to use the wisdom God's given you to take a stand for what is true and what is right, more power to you. 
Okay, I've been doing that since the 1980s. More power to you. But just recognize, if America collapses and we become uh, uh, ty totally tyrannical, okay, um, and if the government starts taking freedom-loving people and Christians and putting us away in concentration camps, it's not over. Because if I understand the Bible correctly, King Jesus will come. Amen. He will come back, and he will make his, take, make his, take his stand um, upon the earth. So, uh, yeah, we, I want revival, I want prayer, I want repentance, but still, there's no guarantee America's going to be delivered. There is a guarantee that God will deliver his church, and there will be a remnant. Okay? And um, so what I'm saying is we had the Declaration of Independence. That was a good thing. Now the whole document, you might as well, most of our political leaders could care less about the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Then there was the Declaration of Interdependence, and that's the direction we've been moving. And uh, be interdependent on a new world order and a global state. And what I'm saying today is that we must declare our dependence on God. Okay? We must not trust in the wisdom of man. We must not trust in government. We must continue to stand up for United States sovereignty and human rights. Yes, however, our government is currently merging with an evil, demonic, global state. And uh, we're at the point we can no longer trust our government to protect us. Now, you break into my house, uh, I'll call 911, but I might take other measures first to make sure everybody's protected. Um, but, you know, if, if government believes it's protecting your God-given human rights, then the government knows you have the right to defend yourself and your family. But if the government says you belong to them, you're their property... You don't have that right. And, um, and so we can no longer trust our government to protect us. Our government has declared war on us. And, um, and any leaders who battle for us. And, um, and so the, I, I really think the church needs to be prepared to go underground. Isaiah 5.20, what are those who call evil good and good evil? We're living in those days. So I just want to close with a few verses here. Proverbs verses. 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And that reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Trust, not in government, trust in God, okay? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and, um, and God will take care of you. And that is probably going to entail some kind of suffering, but God will take care of you. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. So when things get bad, 
you drop to your knees, you cry out to God in prayer, and you open the good book. You open the word of God. God and his word are our refuge. And in Proverbs 130, in verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. So you might you might be saying, but Pastor, there, you know, I lost my job because I wouldn't deny Christ, or I wouldn't say that certain practices are not sin. The Bible says they're sin. I lost my job. What am I going to do? This and that. I'm going to be in the same boat with you. Okay. What what was my advice going to be? Wait for the Lord and hope in His Word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Um, you know, First Peter five seven says, "Cast all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you." Okay. Jesus said, "If the world you find the world hates me, no, it's hated me before it hated you." John fifteen eighteen. Paul said in Second Timothy three twelve that. Um, Everyone who desires to live godly lives will be persecuted. Not might be persecuted, will be persecuted. So as your pastor, I can't, I can't lie to you. All Christians are called to suffer for Christ. Right now, we've just been made fun of. But it's start, starting to get hot in the kitchen. Okay? Um, all Christians are called to suffer for Christ... Um, America seems to be going the way of all empires and all nations. We seem to be moving towards global government. It is now time, if you haven't already, we must declare our absolute dependence on God. Continue to be good citizens. Continue to obey lawful laws. You know, if our, you know we, we stand against abortion... But so far, our government hasn't forced us to have abortions. In China, it used to be the one-child-per-family policy, where if you couldn't bribe the government, you could only have one child. And they had forced ladies to have abortions. So, you know, we're getting into those days. We must obey God rather than men. But, but whatever the case, be a good citizen as best as you can. But remember, your ultimate citizenship is in heaven we are called to suffer for Christ. He died for us. The least we could do is live for him and be willing to die for him. And uh, we need to declare our absolute dependence, not on the state, but on God. I think that's going to be the final choice. We are seeing what I've called since at least the early 1990s, the deification of the state. We're worshiping, this moving towards worshiping of the state and so in the end, you're either going to worship the state or worship the true God. But if you worship the true God, the state's going to come after you. Early church dealt with this. In the early church, uh, you had to say Caesar is Lord. The ancient Jews refused to say that. They said, no, Yahweh is Lord. The ancient Christians, when they were forced to say Caesar is Lord, they said, no. Jesus is Lord. 
So what are you going to tell Washington, D.C.? If they say Washington, D.C. is Lord? No. Jesus is Lord. What are you going to tell United Nations? We come up with a new world order and a global government. They say the government is Lord. We say, no, Jesus is Lord. What are we going to say if this demon-possessed man rules over the world, demanding that you accept his mark on the right hand or the forehead and you can't buy yourself without it, demands that we worship him, and he says he's Lord? If we have absolute dependence on God, we're going to say, no, Antichrist. I will not worship you. I will not worship the state. I will worship the Lamb who was slain. I will worship the Lion of the tribe of Judah. I will worship the ultimate Son of David. I will worship the Son of God. I will worship the Lord Jesus, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's coming back. So please, people, if you haven't trusted in Jesus for salvation, do it now. He is the Lamb, the gentle Lamb who was slain, but he's also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's going to come back and take what is rightfully his, and by the way, everything is rightfully his. I'm glad to be his. If you trust in him for salvation, you're glad to be his as well. Let's, let's have a declaration of absolute dependence on our God. Father, in Jesus' precious name, Lord, in America, it's so hard to totally depend on you. It's so easy to depend on the government or depend on our jobs or depend on uh, the money we make and the, the, all the toys we have, our cars and our houses and whatever it may be, Lord. Just help us, Lord, learn the lesson that all Christians have had to learn throughout the centuries. That though we should be good citizens, though we should be law-abiding citizens and respect the governing authorities, uh, we should never trust in the governing authorities. We should have absolute dependence only on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Peter, Paul, and John, the triune God who created the heavens and the earth. May we declare today and for the rest of our lives our absolute dependence on the God of the Bible. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.